Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the March 10th, 2015 edition of Season 2 of The Court Report on the Nakam Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report generally comes to you every Sunday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. right here on the Nakam Siegel Network. But now in championship season, it's every Tuesday night with the regular presentation and the encore on Sunday night. Every week, we would take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Uh, thank you once again to our amazing sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been servicing the Yeshiva League for over a decade. And if you've won a championship like the two teams that won one this past Sunday at the JV and Varsity Hockey Championships, you've already benefited from their amazing handiwork and craftsmanship. If you want to find out, which two teams will now be holding Crown Trophy of Brooklyn trophies in their hands for the next six months. Stay tuned to this edition of the Core Report. We'll go over the JV and Varsity Hockey Championships very, very shortly. If you want your own trophy or if you have a reason to need a trophy, give Mike, Larry, and the entire gang a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your trophy and plaque needs. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official, analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids each and every week. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll have access to all of our shows from this season and last season, and you'll be able to send in comments for each show. Please keep the comments nice. Much like the show is not about me criticizing, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches, please be courteous enough to do the same. Well, ladies and gentlemen... We have officially finished the JV and varsity hockey seasons for the 2014-2015 year. This past Sunday at Lawrence Middle School, we held the two finals, the JV finals between Rombaum and SAR, and the varsity finals between DRS and Hafter. Uh, two extremely, extremely exciting matches for different, very different reasons, as you'll see when we go over the games. Uh, we also have uh, a couple of uh, big matchups coming up over the next week, not in hockey, but in basketball, as basketball will conclude its season this coming Sunday at the uh, Yeshiva, Univer- uh, Yeshiva University, the Maxwell Athletic Center on the campus of Yeshiva University. That will be coming up. We'll be previewing the remaining semifinal games. We previewed one last week, but because of the uh, the impending snowstorm last Tuesday night, uh, that game was pushed off. So they, both those games will be this week. We will get into them, and we'll see what we can do uh, when it comes to previewing for Sunday night because you know we don't know what the games are going to be, so we'll, we'll see how we approach it. But for right now, let's, let's just talk a little bit about this past Sunday. Uh, it's, really, it's a really a bittersweet moment uh, when, uh, when you get to championship season because teams work so hard over the course of the year, and you get to watch it you know, from game one, all game two, game three, all the way down to game 10 or game 14, depending on whether you're talking about JV or varsity. And then you get down to, to championship Sunday, and you, you realize that it's the... It's the culmination, because you know you're going into this one game, but on the other side, there's nothing else. It's over, and one team's gonna be crowned champion, uh, winner overall, and you're gonna find you're gonna find yourself just thinking, where did the season go? Every year, without fail, it happens to me. Like I'm sitting in Lawrence Middle School this past Sunday, um, as I generally do. I've been doing the public address for the last few years, and 
you get this sense that that you just you're just not ready to let it go. That you, you really need more and you want more. Uh, but you're looking at an empty gym, you know, being cleaned out, and you realize that the next hockey game that's going to be played isn't for another couple of months, you know, and that the the seniors that are in the gym, you know, they won't be around anymore. Like their 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 yeshiva league, their high school careers are over. And win or lose, they they've 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 played every every bit of it. They're done. And it really is a bittersweet moment because on the one side you have the the agony of defeat and the other side you have you have the, the thrill of victory and you really feel for the kids that don't make it and you 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 praise and you cheer the kids that that did win the championship but you almost want everybody to feel like they've walked away winners you know they're they're players who get the sense that their their careers aren't complete without a championship and I, I really don't think that's the case uh, I'm one of those people that believe that that your career is defined by be by what you've done and how far you've gone how much you've grown in your careers so whether or not you walked away with a trophy this past Sunday in hockey whether you're gonna walk away next Sunday with a trophy in basketball or whether you're gonna walk away with a trophy in uh, the Sarachek tournament in a couple of weeks if you're in basketball or whatnot. It's not about, as much as we push competition, it really isn't about whether or not you walk away with a trophy at the end of it, but over your, was it four or six years, depending on when you started playing, it's all about what you've done within that time frame, where where you've started and where you are now. So even if you did not walk away with the win in any of the championship games, doesn't mean you have anything less to be proud of. If you've made an impact, if you've done something that allows you to say, hey, I'm better now than I was a number of years ago when I first started, that's a victory in and of itself. And that, that should be just as good, if not better, than any trophy when it comes to determining whether or not you had a quote-unquote good career. I, I, again, should people be looking at it as you know good and bad careers? You're all athletes. You all decided to play a high school sport. And uh, I don't think that there should be any measurement of it. But if you're going to measure it, measure it by how far you've grown, not by where you've gone in terms of the standings. Uh, That being said, we still have to talk about the games themselves and who won and who lost. So we're going to shift gears now and just talk about the JV and Varsity Hockey Championships this week uh, that, that happened this past week and uh, just get into them a little bit and actually talk about the winners and the losers. So let's start off with the JV Championship, which happened first, uh, happening 1.30 this past Sunday in Lawrence Middle School. Let's just give you a little brief rundown of the two teams that were involved. Obviously, um, as you've heard with the build-up, you had the two undefeated teams in JV hockey. You had Rambam, uh, the Eastern Conference champions, 10 and 0, really going through their year without much, you know, without much standing in their way. Started off the year with an 18 to 2 win over YDE. Had a couple of, I guess you say, close calls with a, you know, 3 nothing win over Rambam, 4 nothing win, sorry, 4 3 3 nothing win over Flatbush, 4 nothing win over over DRS. Another close game with DRS. And really nothing in, in terms of in terms of pushback until first game of the playoffs for them against Hafter, where Hafter uh, actually puts them on their backs at the first period and is up one nothing. So that I, I believe it might have been Rombaum's first uh, 
first time down over the course of the entire season. But they come back, they are able to go along and win that game 4-1. to one. Um, Then, last Monday, they had to go up against the Western Conference second seed, the Frisch Cougars. In that game, um, as, you, as we noted last week, you know, one up going into overtime in overtime long range shot despite the fact that Frisch pretty much dominated that game Rombaum walks away with a 2-1 victory to send them on to the championship so a season that really featured quite a lot of a lot of uh uh shutouts for the Rombaum Ravens and really big wins you know it really was it really seemed like over the course of the the end of the year and into the playoffs uh, things were slowing down a bit i, I don't know if that would be a indicator of things to come we'd have to see on the other end of things you had sar who was 10 and 0 and the western conference champions a, a very young team um, as you if you for those of you that listened to the broadcast uh, uh, that was live this past Sunday uh, the uh, great duo of Jay Aaron and Ari Witkus uh, I know Jay Aaron for quite a quite a number of years Jay Aaron and I actually went through the same uh, well I think he went through the master's program I went through the undergraduate program uh, uh, the same programs at NYU so we have a common bond and he he has a flair for broadcasting and you you know me and my work behind the mic. I love it. And um, so this past Sunday, the two of them were privy to do the broadcast for the league, and I was able to join them on the pregame. And we discussed we discussed um, SAR and their youth, and the fact that they're you know in opposition to Rom. You know, what? I'll get into that in a second. But let's get back to just SAR's course of the year. Uh, SAR, for the most part, you know they they won their games by. Mostly a lot slimmer margins, you know, not really slim margins. You got six nothing wins. You got five nothing wins, five one wins. You got a couple of large wins in there uh, over Westchester and MTA. Those are expected. Ramaz too, JEC. But then you get down to the playoffs, and they're really dominating teams. The six one win against Hank and the four one win against DRS in the semis. Again, you got to take that into consideration that those games were played in the SAR rink. So. You know, for those of you that were listening to the broadcast, uh, we we went over the differences between the two teams. You know, Rambam, the the superior uh, sophomore team, and Sar, the the freshman the freshman class of the year. You really had a situation where it was, I guess you could say. Uh, a mirror image of last year, where Rombaum, the upstart team full of freshmen, went in against a heavily experienced TABC team that took them out 5-2. And now you have it sort of the other way around. You have the top freshman class of this year going up against the you know the top sophomore class. You know they, it, it's one of those things where if you put it on paper and you matched up the two teams uh, from last year and this year, it really looks the same, just with Rombaum playing the part of TABC and SAR playing the part of Rambam from last year. So, that being the case, the question would be, would Rambam, much like TABC's experience last year, would that experience be able to take Rambam to their first JV, uh, and I guess JV and varsity championship uh, in their in the high school careers of, uh, well, actually, just the school. I, I happen to have been a member of the first ever JV Hockey squad. So I, I remember as far back as as that. This we're talking about uh, 13, 14 years ago when that first started. So I, I know the the story and the history, having gone through 
couple of years, uh, well, one year with that team, but also being there for a couple of the years that they went to the finals and just didn't come away victorious. So the question would be, would this be their year, or would it be SAR's year for their first? Getting into the action. So, first period. Uh, we're talking not that far in, talking about a minute in, only a minute in. Off of face-off, Daniel Lichter moves in, takes two whacks, puts the ball up and over goalie Jacob Neowitz for the first goal of the game, a minute three into the game. Not too much later. We're talking about we're talking about a little more than four minutes later. I think the I think the exact time of the goal was uh, 5:08. Uh, it was 5:08 into the period, 6:52 left. Uh, Lichter misplays the ball. Solomon Freilich, the uh, last year's upstart freshman, scoring 11 goals in three games, now a, now a sophomore, tapped it around Lichter, put a shot in between the wickets of Daniel Petrukowski for the equalizer. Less than 50 seconds later, a weird bounce off of Petrukowski, off of a save, rebounds to freshman phenom Gordy Kolb, who puts it home to give SAR the 2-1 to lead. So right there, you have Rambam coming in, scoring the first goal, but SAR jumping right back and taking a two, taking uh, taking a lead the other way, making it two to one, and so within a matter of a half a period, Rambam goes from being up to now being down. Uh, how would they how would they rebound? A little over a minute later, SAR would give Rambam its opportunity to get back even. 4:47 left in the first. Adam Weiss took a penalty for delay of game after catching the ball and moving with it. So Rambam would go to work on the power play, uh, and the power play would. Yield uh, would yield results. Tic-tac-toe pass leading outside of their own zone. Daniel Lichter sending one to the middle to Avi Orla, who slammed it home stick side on Neowitz to tie the game at two with the power play marker. Rambam would then give SAR its own opportunity a minute later, with David Green receiving a penalty for elbowing, but the Stink would not capitalize as Avi Orlau took over the penalty kill on his own, and we would go to the first intermission with the teams tied at two. Uh, for the first period and a half, really, Avi Orlau was the story of this game. Uh, Orlau, as you'll see, you'll see why in a couple of minutes specifically, but there was no answer for SAR when Orlau had the ball. He moved with it. He he controlled it however he wanted. He passed it where he wanted to. And for the most part, he put the ball in the net when he wanted to, even, even as you're going to see, uh, when the odds weren't in their favor. It it was just very interesting to see him uh, to see him work. I've seen him play since he was in eighth grade. Uh, I guess even further back, but even more so just to just to fill out to the player that he was in eighth grade. And this is easily the most dominant I, I've ever seen him. As the broadcasters were were in love with him, and for good for good reason. The way he played for the first for the first half of that game, it was he was well on his way to being the MVP of the game. Had Ramb, um you know, if Rambam were to pull this out. Um, in the second, though, a crazy wild period, and you're going to see exactly why when we figure out the number of goals that were scored. Uh, SAR would do, to start off that period, what they could not on the power play. A minute and change into the period, Cold picked up the ball behind the Rambam net. Swiveled one in front for Solomon Freilish, falling backwards, sliding, and putting it up over Petro for his second goal of the game, and the 3-2 SAR lead. If you get a chance, take a look at this goal. It really was pretty to see him sliding backwards, still getting stick on the ball and li- just literally lifting it up into the top shelf to get that ball in the net. 
the Sting would get a chance to add to the lead and break the game wide open when Zach Finkelman took a hooking penalty a minute later for the Ravens. On the man advantage, Solomon Freilich would shoot the ball into the zone. Josh Galibter for Rambam would pick it up and send it around for Lichter, who outmuscled Kolb for the ball in the corner, cleared it to the net, where Neowitz appeared to have lost track of it. Orlau moved in, poked it home for a shorthanded goal, and a 3-3 tie game. So that's two for Orlau at this point. The two teams would trade off penalties within the confines of the first uh, penalty. So we would have three-on-two action, and then three-on-three action. And in the three-on-three action, we would get another number three, and that being Avi Orlau's third goal of the day on a putback from in front off of a Harry Tannen rebound to put Rambam back up top four to three. But the next four minutes would belong to SAR. While SAR was still in the four-on-three from those penalty cuts, Solomon Freilich took a shot from the far left of Petrukowski. Unbeknownst to him, the rebound bounced to his right, but very much known to Shua Friedman, who moved in and slammed it home to tie the game back up at four at the 624 mark of the period with his power play goal. A minute later, it would be called picking up the ball in front of his own net, moving to the middle of the floor, and sniping a beautiful laser top shelf for his second goal and a 5-4 SAR lead. Sting were not done, though. Two minutes later, face off in the Rambam zone, eerily foreshadowed by uh, Ari Witkus on the broadcast. Ben Lasher wins it to Judah Forking, who slams it home off the faceoff on an, what should have been an easy save that would send the game to a 6-4 margin to end the second. So we started off the second period 2-2. Four goals, you know, even game, two up. And then the second period, it just busted wide open. SAR scoring four to Rambam's two. And so now you would have Rambam in a situation that they have not been in all year, being down two goals. The question is, how would they recover, if at all? Well, uh, you know, start the third period, SAR came out really hot at Rambam, despite being down two, found themselves on their heels early on. Halfway through the period, the most important play of the game. With 5.59 left, Daniel Lichter took a penalty for roughing, and SAR would make the most of it. 15 seconds into the power play, the lead was pushed out to three. Gordy Kolb on the right side of the net sent the ball across to Jason Burian at the far right side, who placed it behind Petrakowski and into the net for the seventh SAR goal. At 7-4, you'd think it wouldn't be that important, but you'd have been wrong. Rambam would try to mount a comeback. Nine seconds later, the lead would be trimmed back to two when Harry Tannen moved in off the face picked up a pass around the around the low face-off circle and popped it home to cut it to 7-5. to five. Tannen would factor in again towards the end of the period, but it would not be for a good cause. Uh, with 2-0-1 to go, Tannen was called for elbowing, and it would seem that Rambam's chance to mount a comeback was done. But following the expiration of the power play, Tannen would send one that just scored it behind Neowitz and over the line to bring the score to 7-6 with 7 seconds to go in the game. Rambam would win the faceoff forward, but the ball would go behind the sting net and stay there until the final buzzer as SAR walked off with their first JV Hockey Championship. The final tallies for the game were as follows. For Rambam, Orlau had three goals. Tannen would finish with two. Lichter would have one and an assist. Josh Kalibta would also have an assist, assisting on Lichter's goal to open the game. For SAR, uh, Kolb, who was named MVP, with his two-goal, two-assist performance. Uh, right behind him, very close, was Freilich, two goals, one assist. It was uh, probably a toss-up as to which one of those would get the MVP right down until Kolb's uh, power play assist to Burian 
uh, with 616 left in the uh, sorry 616 into the period uh, that was the the marker that made it 76. But that one uh, pretty much separated them. Kolb giving the MVP. Shua Friedman, Jason Burian, and Judah Fortgang, all freshmen, each added one goal. Ellie Gelfand, Ben Lasher, and goalie Jacob Neowitz each grab one assist. Congratulations to the coaches Noah Falkenstein, Eve Levy, and Zach Fine on their championships. For this uh, SAR group, for the freshmen, this is their second championship in a row, having won, uh, well, for the majority of them, having won the Junior High Championship, the Jersey Junior High Championship last season as well. Be interesting to see this team next year as the majority of these kids, you know, the majority of this team, 14 of the 17 kids, uh, all freshmen, are going to be back as sophomores. It's very hard for, for somebody like me to to go into this and say, hey, you know what, they're not the odds, not the odds on favorites for next year. Um, at the after I do the varsity, we're going to go through. We'll go through the final rankings of this year. I'm not quite sure I'm ready to do uh, to start on rankings for next year because I think it's just way too early to get there. I know some people are asking me for it, but I, I think you're going to have to wait till either a later show or possibly just next year before we get there. Now moving on to the varsity matchup, the second matchup of the afternoon. This was a little more of an intricate storyline. For those of you that have been following, we spoke about it earlier in the year. Uh, DRS and Hafter, just the biggest rivalry in Yeshiva League sports. Uh, I mean, people can talk about TABC Frisch, Ramaz, and MTA, a lot of the old-timers. But if you're looking at current day... It's got to be DRS and Hafter. These two teams have met up so often. It just it, it seems like you can't have a competition, whether it be basketball or hockey, without discussing what goes on in DRS and Hafter. The schools are so close. It just makes the rivalry all that much better. And when they meet up in a championship game, it's just so much fun to watch. I, I just have to go back to last year. Last year, the... the uh, varsity championship game so you know this is a rematch of last year so the varsity championship uh, last year was Hafter the second seed DRS the one seed Uh, Hafter uh, the DRS beating Hafter in both regular season games Hafter that varsity team uh, probably then uh, likely so the best team the most talented team we've seen from Hafter in quite a while stepping up in the championship game, something that they had never been able to do before, and knocking off a DRS, that DRS team, something they, again, they hadn't done ever since all the way back to sixth grade. It was just something phenomenal to watch. Um, in, in the, uh, in the uh, regulation part of that, DRS got on the board first in the second period. See Ari Barrett's tied up late in the third period. And then to put home the game winner, only a couple of minutes into overtime uh, to uh, to take home after his first championship in a number of years. Um, so this year, um, you know, there's a lot of drama in the off season. A couple of switches over from uh, from DRS to to Hafter. Obviously, we know of Evan Fader from last year. Evan Fader was part of last Hafter's team, uh, Hafter's championship team last year. But the the switching over of also Sam Schechter and Gellert Kirstein made for pretty interesting storylines in the regular season, where I think you had all but one goal in the games between DRS and Hafter. You had all but one goal. Combined, the first game was a 2-1 win in DRS by Hafter. 
in that game, half there's two goals, uh, one from Evan Fader and I believe the other from Sam Schechter, and I believe for DRS, the goal by Ethan Felder. And then you had the 4-3 overtime victory by DRS in Hafter. Um, and I think in that one also, you had you had was it, maybe two of the three goals were scored by uh, by former former DRS players. I, I don't have it in front of me, but that's something that needs to be checked up. But it makes it interesting to believe that of those two games, only one of those goals were scored by a player that had started out their career in Hafter. So it makes me wonder what could have been uh, with the with the with DRS's team this year had everything played out. Well, we also know about uh, about what happened this year, like I just said, the 2-1 win, the 4-3 overtime win. And so that all led up to this. Uh, again, this is a very storied rivalry. You go, you look at the championships for these two teams. In the last couple of years, you know, it's been just splotched back and forth. After winning uh, back in uh, uh, last year, back in 2009, and all the way back to the beginning of the decade with the three stretch run, with the three championship stretch between 2001 and 2004 2001 2002 to 2004 and DRS has had has been scattered all over that as well and picking one up in 2012 2010 2006 and even the 2000 2001 championship um DRS for the most part as a school has been in I think it's nine of the last ten varsity championships I don't know if that's the case I'll, I'll check that my uh, I'll check my sources on that but it's just very interesting to just to see how far one school has come and how far both schools as uh, as uh, in terms of the league where these two schools really stand now, you sort of have to realize that this was going to be a different game than the JV. You know, the JV, as we just talked about, 13 goals. It wasn't exactly a very goalie-friendly matchup. The, the, the goalies themselves, I think, were just a little overshadowed by the moment. Here, you knew you were going to have two goalies who weren't going to be like that. Ari Gottenmacher, um, yet another championship. This 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 um, DRS squad having been to three finals. Ari Guttenmacher uh, always playing close games with the with the opposition. And then on the other hand, Ryan Gluck, Ryan Gluck who stepped up especially big over the last couple of weeks. And when you take a look at these two at these two schools and what they've gone through over the last over the season, it's just a, a very stark contrast. You know, DRS starting out very tentatively, very very slow, uh, taking a loss to Frisch early on, uh, and uh, just winning games in in on DRS like fashion. The the three two overtime win in Hank needing that overtime to to defeat Hank despite Hank being a good team nothing against Hank but it just wasn't DRS like in that in that victory and then needing uh needing overtime again to get one in on them despite despite the fact that Josh Geller played an amazing game but towards the end of the season they sort of picked it back up after that after that game I mean obviously the game before that a six nothing win against Flatbush one nothing win in overtime against Hank and then you had the four three overtime win against Hafter and then the the, the game after that the three three tie against TABC and then they roll into the playoffs with a four nothing shellacking of Kushner and the 4-1 surprise victory over TABC last week. So so you had DRS rolling into this game extremely hot. Turning over to Hafter, now Hafter's, Hafter's end of the season quite 
uh, quite a different uh, a different story than the beginning of their season. They start off the season extremely hot. First four games, uh, first five games, you know, were extremely huge. Uh, I mean, the first four games, they had at least seven goals, three sevens and one eight. And really, towards the end of the season, they started slowing down a bit, uh, mostly starting with that 6-1 loss to TABC, then following it up with a 4-3 overtime loss to DRS. Um, then after a 6-0 went to Flatbush, he had the playoff games, and he had MTA, which took until almost the midway through, uh, just a little... Uh, just a little past the midway point of the third period before that game was decided. And then you had last week's quadruple overtime affair with uh, with SAR. Uh, still waiting for confirmation on whether or not that is the longest game in Yeshiva League history. I, it's very, very close. Uh, I, I have confirmed that the game between JEC and Flatbush, March 6, 2007, did go to quadruple overtime. The question is... How far in? I can't find anything on the uh, the old YLS radio uh, website for those of you that remember back that far that um, that can help me with that. So if anybody was on one of those teams, you know maybe Eitan Meyersdorf who scored the game-winning goal and uh, or or uh, one of the Flatbush boys who was on that team could you know give us a little help with that. Just let us know. Maybe we can get the team next week. But you know, the the two-one quadruple overtime victory for the uh, for the Hawks over the Sting, putting them into the championship. So they've had to really scratch out their their wins over the last few weeks. Ryan Gluck being a big part of that, though. Putting on probably the best goaltending performance we've seen in the playoffs in recent memory. Giving up two goals coming to this game despite playing ten periods of hockey in the two games. So now let's get to the games themselves. Uh, after DRS... Uh, really needs no more further introduction. Let's just get into the play. DRS would get the first opportunity after an even play for the most part in the first part of the first period. Uh, Sam Schechter, former DRS defenseman, would get called for high sticking, and the Wildcat power play would go to work with 3:37 left in the first period. Halfway through the power play, Yuta Simon gets knocked into the hafter net just as Moshe Ganuth receives a pass and takes a shot to the net. Gluck made the initial stop. Ball hit off of David Sofer's face mask and into the net for the goal. little bit of controversy, uh, seeing how Simon was in the back of the net. I'm going to say from my vantage point on the side, so even if the issue was Simon being that Simon had no involvement in the play, and we don't have a rule in the league that says just being in the crease or being in the net nullifies the goal. There has to be actual goaltender interference. Uh, interfering with the goalie making the save. And Simon, from where he was, had no contact with the goalie and had no effect on the play. The the question at hand was whether or not the ball was, was batted with the hand pass, and it actually was just the hitting off the face mask that was uh, just the needing the confirmation. Uh, so that would be the only action of no for the first period, really. Ryan Gluck really showed his ability in the first, having played phenomenal all playoffs, keeping half the close, as I said. But that, again, unlike the JV, this was pretty much a goaltender battle. And with the bigger boys, the older boys, the more uh, the more experienced boys, this was going to be a gritty knockdown drag down, drag out game like they've had in the past. Uh, like they've had two one goal games this year. Most of the games in the last couple of years between the two have been one goal games. The question is. You know, now we see it's one nothing. Would stay one nothing. You know, the Hawks, uh, the Hawks needed to uh, really pick up the play for Gluck, and they would reward their goalie in the second. Jordy Hirschfeld for DRS would take an interference penalty, putting Hafter on the power play, 
and it would be the first period culprit Schechter making up for his transgressions. Evan Fader rolled around the net and sent the pass through to the point for a shot from Schechter who smacked it home to tie the game at one apiece where we would go to the third. In the third, it was evident that the power that DRS came into the first period with was gone. Hefter picked up the pace, and it would yield fruit. A DRS defensive misplay led to a ball in front of the net, and Evan Fader moved in and put the ball into the back of the net to put Hefter up 2-1 with 8.53 left in the period. DRS would look to get back into it, but were just too spent and could not get any closer. Fader would add an empty netter with 35 seconds left in the game. That would be all she wrote for the 2014-2015 varsity hockey season. Fader's two goals and an assist earned MVP honors, although certainly a case could have been made for goalie Ryan Gluck to take home the honors as well. Uh, Gilad Kirstein added one assist. So, uh, again, <laughs> you have a situation where Evan Fader, former DRS player, Gilad Kirstein, former DRS player, the only player here that we mentioned, it is a former DRS player, Ryan Gluck, and, uh, for, and uh, don't forget Sam Schechter as well with his goal. For DRS... Uh, uh, De- uh, David Sofer had the goal with the assist to Moshe Ganuth. So, for Hafter, this is a another record-setting banner. I- I'd have to check to see exactly how many they have and what this gives them and where it places them. So just give me a second and let me take a look at that. Well, this is interesting. From the looks of the site, this is Hafter's 10th varsity championship banner. I'm not going to go into how many it is overall, but this now gives them a two-banner lead on uh, on MTA. MTA is right behind them with eight. But for Hafter, this hits an even decade mark for them. Uh, going through the list of the championships they've won, the 82-83, 83-84, uh, the 86-87, I guess the split with Ramaz, as uh, Ryan Gluck's uh, father, Kenny Gluck, will tell you about, as a member in that game, uh, the the split game, uh, the one that ended in a tie between Flames and Ramaz, uh, notoriously saying how he called that uh, that game would end in a tie, his worst nightmare. Um Flames also picking up the win over uh, Rambam in 98-99. The championships in 0102, 0203, 03 The win again in 2008-2009. And the last two years, 2013-2014 and 2014-2015. So congratulations to... Uh, to uh, to the Hawks uh, under new leadership this year uh, after Mark Brew retired last year. So Noah Weinreich and Benji Davidman picking up uh, a championship for Hafter. Uh, congratulations once again to them. Um, and much like much like we just talked about SAR and, and JV, Hafter's got to be viewed as a, at least somewhat of a favorite. I mean, TABC, uh, you know, taking home the JV championship two years ago, but you know, that was, you know, look at what Hafter did last year. Hafter lost in the semifinal game to Rambam 3-2. to They could have easily won, that, I say easily, they could have won that game. Rambam went on to lose 5-2 to TABC. And put in the additions of Schechter and Kirstein, and the possibility of A.B. Perlau, who uh, granted hasn't played hockey in a while, playing hockey next year, that Hafter team has the chance to potentially match up with that with that TABC squad. Uh, again, I'm not going to say for sure. I can't really say for sure. I think it's way too early to say for sure. But you have to at least give them the look. Uh, I, I think that when push comes to shove, 
If something, if things don't change, then TABC will probably start off next year with the number one ranking. But for the time being, that's going to be Hafter. Uh, we'll go through the rankings very, very shortly. But again, the the looking to next year, uh, the question is going to be who plays, who, and is there anybody else that's going to be switching over? Uh, I mean, it it just stands to reason that DRS was, is just looking a little bit decimated for next year. And they've lost a lot of their talent uh, in terms of their uh, their uh, senior class for next year, this year's junior class, and a lot of their leadership as well. So the question is going to be who's going to step up. There's got to if they really want to contend next year, they've got to hope that somebody's that somebody unexpected is going to be able to step up and into the spot. But Hafter. Really going to look to make a push for the three-peat, uh, something we haven't seen in varsity hockey since, well, after, since the uh, 2002 to 2004 years. So uh, we'll monitor that as we go along. But, again, a great job to everybody involved, a great job uh, to the uh, to the referees for today's game uh, over the course of the season, uh, Commissioner Seth Gordon. Really... Uh, you know, uh, really putting on a good show in Lawrence Middle School. Thanks again to the broadcasters, uh, Ari Whitgis and Jay Aaron. Um, it, go back, take a look at the broadcast. You can go to the myhsal.com. There should be the links up there. I think they're going to be doing next week's basketball championships as well. So we'll get into that. We'll give them a little bit of fodder so that they can use for next week. wonder if uh, there'll be another pregame interview. Um, but if not, I'm just going to enjoy uh, Championship Sunday for basketball, which we'll get to very, very shortly. Before we do, though, I'm just going to do the final rankings for the 2014-2015 Yeshiva hockey season. Uh, for those of you questioning, you know, it's looking at the clock, it's 7.40, why are we still doing hockey? Well, truth is, because it's over. You know, the next two weeks are going to be all basketball, just about. So we figured, you know what, may as well give hockey its airtime, uh, because basketball is going to dominate the rest of our conversation. Maybe we'll have a little bit of hockey, maybe uh, 10, 15 minutes or so. But for the most part, next week's going to be the basketball championships. Week after is going to be Sarachek. So basketball fans, you will get your due just giving hockey its last bit of fresh air before their season is completely over. Go into the rankings. First, we'll start off with varsity. Uh, at the top, obviously, champion Hafter. Hafter did what they needed to do. Defeated DRS, who we have in the two spot. TABC in the three. SAR in the four. Now, just to I guess, show you a little bit of how matchups really play a role in uh, how these rankings uh, how these rankings uh, fell out. If Hafter had lost on Sunday, the rankings would have changed quite a bit. I would have dropped Hafter, even though they made it to the championship. I'd have dropped them below TABC. Um, I'd have had DRS at one, TABC at two, and Hafter at three. Uh, because to be honest, I think the matchups on uh, on Sunday favored Hafter, and had Hafter ended up facing TABC, I don't think it would have been the same game. So at the top, one through four is Hafter, DRS, TABC, Half, uh, and SAR. You are four semifinal teams. Followed, uh, I didn't do it based on where they finished. I did it based on where I thought that they deserved to be in the long run. And five through ten ended up being MTA, uh, Kushner, Ramaz. And Frisch, Frisch at the 8th spot, again, like I said, it's where I thought they belonged, over 9 Hank, 10 North Shore, 11 Rambam, 12 Flatbush, 13 JEC, 14 Megan David, Solomon Schechter, 15, and Heschel, 16. 
Moving along to JV, champions and uh, obviously earning the number one spot, SAR. Rombaum the two, Frisch the three. Gonna say that I really, really wanted to give Frisch the two because of how they played last week against Rombaum. And I, I, the only reason I can't is because in the end, Rombaum won that game. So I, I, unlike at the top where it, where I would have given, uh, TABC the nod over Hafter had they you know had Hafter lost to DRS because it was DRS that beat TABC and not Hafter I'd have dropped Hafter down to three. Here's a different situation because Rombaum actually beat Frisch, despite the fact that Frisch completely outplayed Rombaum that game. It was just Daniel Petrakowski just being phenomenal. Uh, so I can't quite drop them below Frisch because head to head they won that game. So SAR at the one, Rombaum at the two, Frisch at three. DRS at four, Hafter at the five after their late run, and uh, almost, 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 I guess you can call one period of a lead over Rambam and almost uh, uh, upset, but it didn't actually pan out. Flatbush in the six, TABC at the seven, JEC at the eight, Hank at nine, North Shore at ten, MTA at eleven, Mag and David in twelfth, Ramaz, Hillel, Westchester, Shari, Torah, and Darche Erez rounding out your JV season for this year, and these were your rankings. So, taking a look back at the beginning of the year to the end of the year, you guys can compare. Maybe we'll look through it next week just to see how they compare beginning to end. And we may also take a look at next year. I know it's kind of early, but, you know, never too early to start planning for next season. Once again, you are listening to The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, Elliot Weiselberg. We are sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn getting a lot of action this week. This past week at the Yeshiva League Hockey Championships, and this coming week at the Basketball Championships all across. Also going to have volleyball, uh, but... Crown Trophy, they're, they're, they're the sponsor of the league. They they give us the trophies, and they're sitting in your house right now if you've won a championship or will win a championship this year. We're going to move on to basketball now. In the remaining 20 minutes that we have, I have to get to girls' basketball. I promised you guys because last week they, uh, uh, they were preempted because we ran a little long. But this week we'll definitely get to them. But first, we're going to stick with the boys' sports. We'll start off in JV because... JV actually had action last night. So we're going to get down to that. Uh, as you as you may or may not know at this point, JV basketball is down to its semifinals. Looking at the JV basketball brackets, last night's game, Flatbush and Frisch, with the winner going on to face the winner of tonight's SAR-MTA game. That game will be played one th- uh, at the uh, early slot this coming week in uh, at the Max Run Athletic Center on the campus of Yeshiva University. I uh, don't have an exact time with me for that now, but I'm sure that will come out as the week goes along. So just getting to that game, uh, you know, Frisch, the two seed in the West, Flatbush, the undefeated one seed in the East. Uh, here's how that game panned out. Uh, Frisch took a 5-4 lead on a Sammy Turner free throw and really never looked back. Uh, F- Flatbush kept it close for most of the game. Uh, kept it close for the for the uh, first quarter, with the Cougars holding a 13-12 lead going into the second. But Frisch would start off the second period strong with a three from Jordan Kleinhaus and two buckets from J.J. Zockheim to extend the lead to eight. Zockheim also contributing on the offensive boards all night, giving Flatbush big man Amy Rosau fit. Uh, Kevin Hadid would stem that 
tied, and the Falcons would look to climb back in the game. Frisch would hold a 27-21 lead with 10 seconds to go, and had it nailed another jumper to cut the Frisch margin to 4, 27-23 to end the first half of play. Haddad really was big all night, uh, really stepping into uh, to, uh, the role that, that Rosau just couldn't because of the uh, the size of Frisch and just really annoying him all night. Uh, Zach Comet opened up the second half uh, with a bucket, and with five points by Israel Solomon, along with another Comet three, and Frisch used a 10-0 run to open a 37-23 lead midway through the third. Rosau would end the run, but Solomon again nailed a shot for the Cougars. A minute later, Haddon would bring the Falcons back to under 10, with a three that would make it 41-32 with three minutes left in the quarter, and Flopwish would outscore Frisch 11-8 the rest of the way. With the score 49-43, to start the fourth, Flopwish would need to make a comeback that had not all year long, as we said, going undefeated, and not really having many challenges along the way in what really has proved to be a, a weaker Eastern Conference. But it would be Frisch, Zakheim nailing a corner three to push the lead out to nine, and then it was a game again. Two free throws by Rosa and a lay-in by Haddon, and it was a two-possession game at 52-47 to Frisch lead. And then... Haddon did it again. Kevin Haddon, with 4.50 left on the clock, nailed a three. And what was once a 14-point Frisch lead was now down to two. But Kleinhaus would stop the bleeding for Frisch, finding the net from beyond the arc to make it 55-50. to The score would go back and forth between four and six points. But with 2.30 left, Sammy Fishman would nail a backboard banker and complete the and-one to give Frisch the 60-53 to lead that would not get below the five-point margin that the game ended at. And Frisch, the West 2 seed, would pull off the upset, knocking out the undefeated Eastern Conference champion 65 65- 60. For Flatbush coach Avi Bornstein, now both of his team seasons end at the hands of his former uh, team, the Frisch Cougars, uh, with the varsity uh, playing their last game at Frisch, ending their playoff hopes, and now the JV basketball team the same, also making it the third Flatbush team to suffer the same fate as the JV hockey squad got in on that action as well. So is this the beginning of a budding rivalry, or really just an annoyance between the two teams, as Frisch has come up on the winning end for the most part of it? But one has to think that, uh, you know, the Avi Bornstein back and forth with Frisch and Flatbush um, and how the seasons ended up for both, maybe this is something to look at for the future. So, Frisch will advance to play the winner of tonight's game. That game actually just started about 10-15 minutes ago. Uh, SAR and MTA. Uh, SAR and MTA played uh, over the season. And uh, this was, it was actually the interesting game beginning of the year, uh, no, November 5th, where MTA uh, defeated SAR to uh, score 40-39 to, to put them on their backs to start the year. But SAR would come back uh, in, at the end of January to defeat MTA by four in MTA. So this is going to be the rubber match to decide who will go on to face Frisch this coming Sunday. Uh, SAR and Frisch, as you remember, playing that overtime thriller back at the end of December, uh, where SAR won at home 55-52. to So, close game there. If SAR decides to move on, then they will have another game with Frisch and uh, be extremely close, as we will have, I uh, forgot to mention, we will now, because Flappers is out, and because DRS ended uh, their run early, there will be no repeat uh, contenders for the 2014-2015 crown, as defending champion DRS is gone, and now runner-up Flappers is gone. So, 
if it goes the other way, if Frisch ends up facing uh, Frisch ends up facing MTA. Well, uh, last time they played, Frisch completely dominated MTA. So one may expect that if uh, if push comes to shove and Frisch goes out to Frisch goes on to play MTA. Although MTA will technically have a home court advantage, they will be the away team, being the third seed in the West, and uh, we would have a 2-3 game. But the the margin between the two, given the victories that Frisch has had over MTA this year, might make it a little bit more than your average 2-3 game. MTA may have to pull a little something extra out of their back pockets to make that game uh, close. Uh, but we'll see this coming Sunday. Again, the uh, the starter match for the championship Sunday at the uh, Max Stern Athletic Center on the campus of Yeshiva University. We'll see how it plays out tonight. Again, that game is going on right now. Moving over to Varsity, because of the snow last week, the schedule sort of got messed around a bit, and the Frisch DRS game that was last supposed to be last Tuesday is going to be tonight at 8.30. So, if you want to hear my thoughts on that, just go back to last week's show, because I did that expecting to, to uh, have a result for you this week. But, winner of that game will face the winner of the game that's going to start in about... 15 minutes from now, the Hafter Hawks and the North Shore Stars. Uh, Hafter getting here, defeating uh, defeating Hillel in the first round. North Shore getting here, but, uh, sorry, uh, but in the last round, the quarters. Uh, North Shore defeating, uh, upsetting TABC. So the story of the last two weeks was, would A.B. Perlau be available for Hafter? Again, Perlau not available in the Hillel game. Uh, Hafter still going on to defeat Hillel. And uh, spoke with uh, AB this past Sunday at the at the uh, cha- at the hockey championship, and according to him, he is going to play. Question is, will he be at a hundred percent? And if he's not, is it going to hamper Hafter's uh, Hafter's play? Uh, North Shore uh, coming back defeating TABC show that they have they have the ability they have the size with uh, Josh Hecht uh, in the middle Cody Cohen roaming his way around I know he's uh, he's been more to the perimeter game but he really has made a made a dent on all areas of the floor and if uh, Perlau can't move Cody's slashing style may just be able to work past him and uh, and get some easy buckets so. If Perlau plays, will he be at 100%? And even if, and if he's not at 100%, you know, how's it going to affect Hafter's play? And could that mean uh, a, a, a much more hindered defensive game? Uh, offensive game, Max Rosner has stepped up a lot o- over the course of the year as the other big man, Jonathan Greenberg. So they'll have plenty of ways to distribute the ball. They beat uh, they beat Hillel without Perlau in the lineup. So offensively, they'll be fine. The question is going to be against a much better offensive team like North Shore. And I mean team because Hillel, for the most part, being a Nathan Beebe show, North Shore is a very spread around. Uh, Cody Cohen and Josh Hecht, uh, along with a, a whole cast of others who have really contributed. It really was an interesting game watching the TABC game a few weeks ago and uh, actually seeing just how many weapons they really do have. Will they be able to be covered if A.B. Perlau is on the floor and not 100%. Will it just be a, a, a an extra hindrance for Hafter? We'll find out. That game going live at 8 o'clock tonight. I'm sure that Jay Aaron, 
uh, and uh, Ari Witkis will have the call. So if you want to tune into that, they will probably be live streaming it. So right after this show, right after we end, you can go check that out and uh, enjoy the game. And so the winner of that game will face the winner of the first DRS game that will be played at 8.30 tonight. And that will be the second game of Championship Sunday at the Max Stern Athletic Center on the campus of Yeshiva University this coming Sunday again. So... Looking forward to some very good basketball action. I, I suggest you come out. Last year, I had the opportunity to go, and for for actually my first uh, in a very long time, and uh, I had a lot of fun. Max Star Athletic Center is a great place to watch a game of basketball, and uh, as you'll see in the weeks after uh, the Sarachek tournament, uh, it, it really is a fun atmosphere. Um, speaking of Sarachek, the uh, first uh, round games and the seedings have been released, so if you haven't seen that, please go to maxlive.com and take a look at the field, at the uh, at the rankings, at the at the matchups for the first round, and uh, the, a couple of pieces of information that they have on there. It's always a very informative site. Last year, I got the chance to call a game for uh, for maxlive.com, and uh, God willing. If I can find a way to get to uh, them over the next couple of days, maybe I'll be able to uh, give some input, uh, give them a little some information, and maybe even get back to calling a game. We'll see. Uh, but for now, just uh, looking forward to watching a great day of action this coming Sunday, Championship Sunday. So very much looking forward to that. All right, now very quickly, we are just going to run through the action from from the girls' brackets so that we can at least cover girls and they are at least uh they're at least kept up to date on what's going on because the championships are this week. So starting out in girls varsity A, uh quarterfinal action. We'll just go down the scores. Uh we, we did cover this a couple of weeks ago, so if it's a repeat, just uh just at least take it uh Take it for what it's worth. Hafter uh, defeated Frisch 50 to 42 in overtime in what was an upset. The the uh, East three defeating the West two. Bruria, the uh, the West champion, defeating North Shore 55-37. Flatbush uh, being upended by SAR 39-34. The West three defeating the East two. So we had uh, a little bit of cross. And Ramaz, the Eastern Conference champion and defending champions, defeated Hillel 62 to 32. So you had the two ones and the two threes squaring off in what would essentially be an Eastern Conference champion and a Western Conference champion. And in both cases, the number one seeds came out victorious. Bruria defeated SAR 53 to 41, and and Ramaz defeated Hafter 40 to 35. So Ramaz will get the chance to uh, to vie for a repeat this coming uh, this coming Thursday night. When they face Bruria, uh, that game is at 8.30. Not exactly sure where it is. Uh, if I can find out where it will be, I will, uh, I'll post it. I just, at this point, I don't know where the girls will be hosting, will be holding their championships. Moving over to Girls Varsity B. Taking a look at the action, uh, as we said a couple of weeks ago, that whole that whole real strange playoff situation where there was uh, three teams vying for two spots. Well, they settled that. They actually had that game where uh, where the three schools uh, went and went to Bruria and met up. Shall have it, Ilana, Mag, and David 
all battled on one night for the chance to move on to fill the final two spots, the third and fourth seed. So the way they worked it was that each school faced each other in a half of basketball, and at the end of it, the uh, the two teams that came out with the better records would move on. First game of the night, Elon defeated Shalhevet 21 to 14, followed up by Elon beating Megan David 24 to 16. So Elon already knew it was moving on, having uh, come away with uh, with two victories and two two and margin that would not be that would not be overcome. So they pretty much knew that they had the third seed in hand. Question is, what would the, what would happen with the fourth seed? Well, Mag and David and Shal Hevet uh, met up, and it was a nail biter with Mag and David walking away with a 1917 victory. So it would be Mag and David going to face SKA. And Elon traveling to face Bruria. And uh, as expected, the uh, the top two teams in the league will meet again as SKA defeated Megan David 53 to 22. And Bruria defeated Elon 52 to 24. So a lot of very similar results, very similar outcomes. And the 1-2, though, SKA and Bruria will meet up. That's going to happen next Monday night, 745. Uh, so if you are... A, of the female persuasion, you can be at that game. Obviously, it's uh, girls of B, so got so men not allowed. But uh, good luck to both schools, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have as much as much great action as uh, as you had with uh, with the uh, playing game on the twenty with the playing games, I should say, or the the round robin on the twenty fourth. Moving over to jo- girls JV very very quickly. Before we run out of time, first round games, Maya Note defeated Central 56-25, North Shore defeated Frisch 47-34, SAR defeated Hafter 35-21, and Flopush upended Kushner 43-20. So you had the 1s and 2s all moving on. The, uh, the way it worked out... West number one against East number two, Maya Note and North Shore. Maya Note defeating North Shore 55 to 44. But in the other contest, defending champion SAR Sting upended the Flatbush Falcons, defeating them 51 to 43. So we will have, I believe, another rematch. I believe that Maya Note and SAR met up last year in the JV Championship. Yeah, I believe they did. A game in which SAR defeated Maya Note 39-26 behind the uh, coaching of Adam Brick, who is now at Hank. Um, so you're going to have a great matchup this uh, this coming Thursday night. Uh, also, 6:15 p.m. Maya Note and SAR. I believe that will happen before the varsity game, right after. So two great games uh, coming up this coming Thursday. If you can make it out to wherever it is, I don't quite know at the moment. I'll see if I can get that available to you at some point. But uh, girls, uh, girls sports coming to its conclusion this week. Uh, good luck to all six teams that are still in the hunt. Good luck to everybody in volleyball. Um, and uh, great season to everybody. Look forward to, rec- to reporting about it over the next couple of days. Before we run out of time, just want to go a quick words from the wise, uh, going on something that I was talking about earlier. I think this John Wooden quote completely sums up what I was trying to say. Don't measure yourself by what you have accomplished, but by what you should have accomplished with your ability. Like I said before, you know, you, you can't just look at the trophies and say, "Hey, this this is what made me a this is what uh, is a benchmark of my success." No, it's not like that. It's what you should have become and how far you've come. So, for those of you again who think that the only way to measure what is, whether or not your career was a success uh, is by trophies, and uh, I think you're missing the mark, and so does Sean Wooden. Well, that really is about all the time we have for today. Thanks again to everybody for listening in. Uh, if you missed 
this or any part of any episode this season, you can catch the encore presentation that will uh, that will come up this Sunday night for this show, or you can go to the Court Report on iTunes or the Nakam Siegel Network app. Tomorrow morning, jam in the AM with Nakam Siegel from 6 to 9 AM live on the stream NakamSiegel.com or on your radio 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM Rockland County, as you know, uh, WFMU, jam in the AM right in the middle of their huge marathon. Uh, do yourself a favor to, to keep listening to quality content, jam in the AM. You gotta give. I, I was there in the studio, uh, this morning. Uh, I always have a lot of fun when uh, when I'm in for for something like that. You know, it, it's always a great time. I enjoy having such great radios to listen to, and I think that uh, that it, it should continue. But we have to keep it going. So if you can, please, please pledge and help us get that number up. For more of me, you can generally hear me every Tuesday morning. Uh, as again, I was on this morning on Jam in the AM at around 7:20 with the Tuesday morning Jam in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook. Facebook, please do so and click the like tab. Let's get that number up as well. Uh, see you next week with more championship action right here on the Court Report, only on the Knock'em Siegel Network. Uh-huh.